and welcome to the Charmed Life Podcast. This podcast is all about magic, metaphysics, mysticism, and the unconditional love of the universe. And I am your host. My name is Trisha Carr, and I am so excited about this episode. Everyone, this is a conversation episode, and I have on a wonderful, beautiful soul who is so powerful and also so vulnerable. And her name is Cami Kennedy. Cami is an intuitive life coach and author of It's Happy Now, the Happiness Handbook for High Achievers. Cami helps perfectionists, people pleasers, and high achievers to redefine success so they can release the guilt and manifest with ease. Cami has a background in molecular biology. She's a, a smarty pants, neuroscience, and psychology. And Cami provides a framework for incremental success because it's not about being perfect. It's about practicing your potential. Ooh, that's good stuff already. And she really is. She delivers inspiration. In this episode, we talk about uh, that perfectionism. We talk about codependency and narcissism. And oh, gosh, we get into it. So I tell you what, how about I let you dig into the energy and the light of Cami, and I'll chat with you on the other side. Welcome, Cami. I'm so excited to connect with you in this format. I mean, this is kind of the first time you and I, it's like the first time you ever sat down and had a little chat together, like girlfriends or something. Yes, <laughs> I'm so excited. And of course, I know you because I'm a podcast stalker. So I listen. <laughs> so it's like when you know somebody, but the other person doesn't know you as well. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> well, I stalk you as well. I haven't listened to your podcast, yeah. but I, I do see you on social. And then, of course, I've seen you shining in all of the spaces and everything. But you are so, you are such an inspiration. You have, I mean, your energy is in, like you just channel, like you just, and of course you've been, I mean, I've seen you channel in a literal sense, but you you channel that positive, that coach energy, like your inner coach is so spot on. And of course I know you have profound tools and techniques, which I think are both are so important. What do you think of, well, actually no, I'm already getting into like question three. <laughs> Let's let everyone get into your energy. I'm so curious. I don't know about your journey. I don't know how you got to where you are and uh, just like what what work you're offering and, and what you're doing at this time, wherever you want to start. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again for having me. This is <laughs> this is a really cool dream and manifestation just being here on Aww. your show. So I appreciate that. And I'll have to make sure I tell the story on how I found your podcast in the first place. Okay. But my story <laughs> is... I, I always say I'm a life coach because I was the worst. And so I got fired three times. I was always in jobs I didn't like. Um, and ironically, I loved animals. I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I always loved animals. So it's interesting, full circle where we are now, being an intuitive and a channel. But I got into health coaching because I was very into fitness, but I was very into how my body looked. And I was very into wanting to achieve that external physical appearance and the success, you know, all of those high achiever things. So it wasn't until 2018 where I became a life coach. And the reason why was because I was in this relationship for nine years with a covert narcissist, which means I was exhibiting those codependent behaviors of putting everybody else's needs above my own. And finally in 2018, I basically surrendered it to God and was like, I, I need to change something. Mm -hmm. And so this is when my manifestation journey really happened. I said, I want to change something. I want to go to Bali. And, you know, when, when the student is ready, the, the teacher appears. And I worked with three amazing male coaches. And I went to Bali for 10 days. And I came back with this profound experience of really taking everything in my life and flipping it on its head and changing it all, identifying what my values are and setting the intention to attract a different partner. Well, what's interesting is we always say breakdown comes before breakthrough. Yeah. So I got back from that trip. I got fired from my part-time job. <laughs> for this, for the, this will be my second time. Um, the third time I got fired was actually a manifestation, which was interesting. But I started becoming an actual life coach in 2018. And then I started calling myself an intuitive life coach because I have a degree in molecular cell biology. So I have this mm. scientific background, but I've always been spiritual. Mm -hmm. And so I started really labeling and feeling into that intuitive part because 
I realized I just ask people questions, but I don't really know where that question's coming from. It's just coming from my intuition. Yeah. And so what I offer now is one-on-one coaching. And then I'm opening a group coaching program called Sovereign Success Academy, which is all about redefining success for perfectionists, high achievers, and people pleasers. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love that group coaching. It's going to be so powerful. Can I tell Mm -hmm. everyone listening that group work is amazing. Of course, individual work, one-on-one work with um, counselor, therapist, coach, whatever, that's all powerful as well. Sometimes I feel like people are shy about doing group work. I mean, I get it because, you know, a bunch of strangers and everything. But that's that's why 12-step programs work so well because they have the component of doing group work and hearing other people's stories, hearing other people's testimonies, hearing their growth. It's healing that you get to just witness and then also receive because you're witnessing it, right? I 1000% agree. My the program when I went to Bali was 35 strangers and you know, I paid $5,000 to be there, so I was going to get what I came for. Yeah. So no matter what weird thing we're looking into each other's eyes and we're yelling at a waterfall, I was I was in it a hundred percent and it was transformational to see and hear other people's stories and, and have them share vulnerably. Mm-hmm. And even it was a co-ed as well, which was very, is my first time. So it was very healing for the masculine and the feminine. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the masculine really held space for all of the feminine emotion and the healing and it. It, w- it enabled me to rebuild my trust with the opposite sex, which yeah. clearly I hadn't had since going through that narcissistic relationship. So I feel like it's very powerful. Group is transformative. And about 10 years ago, I had a roommate who was a psychologist when I was in that relationship. And she was, I was so resistant. She's like, you need group therapy. And I was like, no, I don't. And I was just so mad. And then finally I found myself, I found my way to that, right? Like the calling was there. And it's funny because I was so resistant. I wanted to be the strong one. I wanted to be tough. And I didn't want anybody to see me vulnerable like that. But that is what transformed my life. Yeah. The covert narcissist is, you know, it's a sneaky one, right? I mean, literally in the title is covert. And so, and and there's actually other kinds of narcissism. First of all, I want to say, I've talked about this a little bit on my different spaces, that narcissism or being narcissistic or having narcissistic tendencies is not, it's like used as it's just an insult. Like we're just saying the word bitch or dick or something like that. And it's, no, it's, it's actually a tendency and the the other side of that uh, that pendulum swing is the codependent, and the codependent uh, you know, tendencies are just as toxic. You know what I mean? Like so, and I'm speaking as one with codependent tendencies. So, with your covert narcissist, would you mind, since in case some people haven't really heard that term, what is your experience of it? Now, granted, Cami is not a clinical psychologist, and a narcissistic personality disorder is a clinical diagnosis, but we're talking about, you know, her her anecdotal personal experience. I just want to clear that up and make sure everyone understands it. So what was your experience? What were the traits or the the facets of the relationship that helped you to see like, oh, this is actually a kind of abusive relationship I'm in? Mm-hmm. So one was really the the obsession with the external. So what the car looks like, what the body looks like, wh- the, what the partner's money is. Yeah, Your partner both. was okay. okay partner, both partner but mm-hmm. also I was attracted to that as well, right? Okay. So it was kind of like I'm – so I identified as the codependent as I'm successful and I'm doing the right thing if I got this attractive person who has a nice car, who has a nice house. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes, not always, but that's sometimes how they present mm-hmm. is always going after this external And then I learned after the fact, there was this thing called love bombing that happens in the beginning Mm -hmm. where you just are like, oh, we're so connected and they're saying all the right things. And it's like a drug. You're so addicted. And the reason my experience was I was so insecure and I was like, who little of me, you like me. And it was just, he knew it, right? Mm -hmm. He could tell that I was so insecure. Although I was presenting on the outside, like I had it together because of past relationship history, because of family things, the way I grew up, I was so insecure. And so having that external validation of somebody that looked good, mm-hmm. who from the outside looked good, but there there was never a, a romantic connection. There was never a loving connection. That's so it weird. I just... had the same relationship. He wasn't yeah. covert though. He was overt, but we didn't have it. So you were, was it kind of platonic for nine years? 
Well, so no, it was, it was very physically attractive. Okay. Okay. So it was that, but what I mean is now looking back, we didn't have a friendship. We didn't Mm -hmm. have a relationship. I was kind of obsessed. And I think he kind of knew that and played into that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the attachment styles, Mm -hmm. the more he pulled away, the more I was like anxious attached. Right. So it was just, it was like all of that things that we know now, the attachment styles is like, oh, I was so obsessed with him the more he pulled away. And the more emotionally available he would get, I would be like, oh, I don't want this. So I had to retrain my whole brain and physiology to a secure attachment style, which is like somebody being emotionally available, which starts with me being emotionally available. So he would, then he did like (laughs) the things that he did now, I'm like, what was going on? (laughs) You know, like I'm like, and I, I say car- covert in some ways. I'm like, he probably was overt, but I just wasn't available to understand what that was. Um, yeah. it, it was the things he would say and do. He would like trick text me from different phone numbers. And like, it was very interesting. And now looking <laughs> back, I'm like, hello, red flag, red flag. But it was like, it was like, so juicy, like you really want to eat the meal and it, it smells so good, even though you're like, no, it's poisonous. Don't, you shouldn't eat it. But you're like, but it smells so good. Yeah. And nobody could tell you otherwise. That's the, that's the trap that I was in. Mm, that's so fascinating. I, in my story of being with, you know, in my narcissistic codependent relationship, and it's, I, it, I hardly think about because mine was a long time ago at this point, 20 years ago when I left. But every now and again, when I mention something from it my husband's like he kind of looks at me sideways and he's like I don't know that like that I cannot even imagine you being you know being tolerant of anything like being that person he doesn't he doesn't recognize it it's really interesting how long have you been out of that relationship since 2018 so oh, okay. it was been four years wow you've made a, five years you, wow you feel like it's been a long time you made some yes. huge well, progress so what's interesting is I detached like about the five-year mark. We were together okay. for nine years. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like, I, I've heard this before and I'm not sure how true this is, but they say that the the female usually breaks up with them before they break up with them, like in their mind. Mm-hmm. So they spend time detaching over the years so that it doesn't, it's not like a harsh blow for them. So I spent like four years detaching, but my identity was so wrapped up in that too, because also he was a special forces guy. So that had like another thing to it, which is like, oh, I'm special because he's special. We're all special. And so I had all this identity wrapped up in that too, right? And so I think I really spent four years detaching and redefining and recreating my whole entire life so that when I was finally ready to cut the cord as it were. And of course I broke up with him like probably four times during that four years, but he always found that way to sneak back in. Mm-hmm. And so finally I was strong enough to like, no, we're done here. Mm-hmm. And like, and here's the interesting part. When I was already dating my now husband, right? It was like kind of like the first week of our relationship. My ex, that guy was texting me pictures of engagement rings for you? Because yes, it was like his last ditch effort, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so he was like doing everything, saying everything. So that's essentially like they'll try to give you everything that you say that you want, but they're never going to actually give it to you. They're just going to say it. Mm-hmm. And then you determine how long you're going to hang out there. And I hung out for nine years, right? And then I was like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm not ever going to get what he says he's going to give. I was in mine for seven years and it was in my 20s. And I he did a last ditch effort thing too. I was already dating someone new and that relationship that I, that person I was dating, we dated for like a year, but it wasn't a long-term one. It was like, it was a rebound, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and uh, I had been dating him for a while, this this new person. And I, ha- I was living in a guest house of someone who was a mutual uh, friend of me and my, and the ex. And so the, the my landlady, she was like really sweet and she was a much older person. So she kind of like was motherly. She's like, you know, your boyfriend can just move in here if you want to. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that because that would you know, I don't want so and so to know the, the other because he had started um, he started calling me and uh, threatening suicide because he couldn't he didn't even know how to be anyone without me. And I had he's, he was doing the suicide thing for a while, which I was detached, as you're saying, I was totally detached. But 
you know, threatening suicide. Nobody wants someone to kill themselves on your watch. That's going to shift my whole life. And of course, you know, all the other things. So anyway, not that I, that that sounded callous as if I didn't care if he died, (laughs) but I just needed to like sneak away. So we had been apart for a while. He was calling me with the suicide again. I was telling this, my landlady about, no, I couldn't because then he would find out. And she said to me, he's been dating someone since before you moved out from him. And I was like, what? So he was even moving on, yet he still wanted me on the hook. Mm-hmm. It's weird attachment energy. I mean, that, what we're talking about emotion, you know, like relationship mm-hmm. attachment, but I mean like spiritual attachments. You know what I mean? Like he, yes. there's like, there are like these almost, these uh, thought forms, these almost like de- whatever we would call demons and they they can't be satisfied. Like they are so hungry. Oh, you, that you used the metaphor of <laughs> the meal <laughs> that you want to eat, even though it's poisonous. It's like yes. it's insatiable. Mm-hmm. Those thought and forms. It's, it's interesting because I'm thinking of two other instances with people who, and we, we obviously don't want to take light suicide, right? No, because of it's not. a real thing. Yeah. But this personality type or people with these tendencies know how to manipulate yeah. and they will use anything. I know. And I've had I've had another client with that and she felt into the energy enough to know. It was kind of like a friend. It was a friend, friendship, but they were borderline kind of dating and it was just unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. And they were working together. And so I coached her through that process. She had the wherewithal to know he wasn't really going to do it. He was yeah. using it as a manipulation tactic. But it's interesting because it now that I know about energy more, it's an energy thing. It's like we're susceptible with our energy to allow those tendrils to kind of yeah. come in. Mm-hmm. And even afterwards to notice it and to be able to like clean it off, right? Like that kind of person not available for that anymore. But the codependency thing, it's it, it's a it's surprising. I I am always surprising myself about how I'm healing from my codependent tendencies. And the thing that I've been working with lately is the identity piece. When I lose my identity in something, and actually a, a recent thing that I just worked on with my guides was they told me I had a codependent relationship with money mm-hmm. because my belief and also my my experience, my history was I had to change who I was in order to make money. All of the jobs I had in the past that were wrong for me. I wonder if you had that, you got fired a lot. So they were clearly well, wrong for you. Well, it's interesting because I, I just wrote a book about happiness mm. and it's for perfectionists, high achievers, people pleasers, because they usually place their happiness on, are they doing the right thing based on everybody else? Mm. And so I've come up with this term. I'm not sure if I came up with it, but it it was downloaded into me of circumstance codependency Uh where we're happy if the job's good, the boss is good, the weather's nice, but it's how do you learn to be happy in the worst situations? And now for these messages. Hey there, friends in spirit and love. It's Trisha Carr here, and I want to invite you to a magical workshop called The Mystical Medium. The Mystical Medium is a live two-day workshop designed to connect you to the other side. I'm teaching this workshop, so I want to share a few ways that mediumship is a powerful gift and blessing in my life. Well, personally, developing my mediumistic abilities helped me to have a deeper, more precise communication with my spirit guides. In conjunction with my meditation practice, mediumship has been key in helping me to hear, see, feel messages and guidance from spirit. Second, having a connection to my past loved ones is such a comfort, I mean, to say the least. By carrying on my relationships with those who have moved into eternity, well, I feel like I'm living more eternal and free. And finally, as a professional medium, being that channel for others and their past loved ones With evidential, unmistakable details, this has been such a humbling and truly mind-blowing experience. And I tell you, it is that every single time I experience it. So I hope you will check out the Mystical Medium Workshop. It will be offered live December 4th and 5th, 2021. The Mystical Medium is presented by Lightshine Academy. Visit class.lightshineacademy.com slash mediumship. Learn more and register. Spirit is waiting. I have been blessed to really hate a lot of my jobs. And the lesson was to be happy in the now moment and to find that gratitude and peace in the now. Even if you don't like your boss, 
you find something that's, oh, that's a nice color shirt. I like purple and just Mm -hmm. do anything to get yourself out of that. So I think you can be codependent with anything. And, And I see it a lot too with people running their own businesses with clients, like always wanting to people please and make sure that they're okay whenever that client actually is an ideal in your business and mm-hmm. you moving forward and pissing off that client is actually the exact growth that you need to get the right aligned clients. But we have to go through the boundary and I would just say the extreme discomfort. Like I'm not going to act like it's a walk in the park because it's not, but we have to go through that extreme discomfort of detachment of whatever we're feeling codependent to. Yeah. And there is growth in there for us. Right. Because when we prefer an external source for our identity, we're cutting ourselves off from our true identity. And, you know, when it, which is an unconditional resource, but we're, if we've placed it on on a conditional set of circumstances, it's just not going to work. It definitely will expire. It's superficial at best. Right. Mm -hmm. I totally feel that. And it's funny because Today, it was a Monday, and I shared with you before we started recording that I was in the woods all day today. Mm. And my judgmental mind was all like, this is what a Monday is supposed to look like, and this is how you're supposed to do Mondays as a business owner. And I just spent the whole day in the woods, not identifying as a coach, not identifying as just, I wanted to just be in the woods. And there are times where my spirit calls me to just be Mm -hmm. literally detached from everything. And I think we can build up this identity that can get us some success, but at the end of the day, we're we're just spiritual beings. We have actually no physical, tangible anything. And so I think it's really important to completely detach and go into the spirit world and find that that wholeness independent from anything in your life. And when you, there's, what I find is I must be ignoring those subtle calls a lot because then something will happen like my body will will break down. You know, the mm-hmm. subconscious mind will get what it needs. And so if there are things that I, if if I am ignoring subtle calls that I need to be in the woods on a Monday, then that rejection of myself will be sublimated, put into the tissues of my body. And then, you know, next Monday, I'm going to be home mm-hmm. <laughs> and in pain. How do you help your clients to tune to those more subtle uh, calls from the self to do what is better for the for the whole being. I think it's so simple to just ask. One of the things I say is, "What brings you joy, or what excites you, or just what would you need in this moment?" And it depends. I teach a lot the vibrational scale of emotions or the map of consciousness, which Abraham Hicks teaches, and then also mm-hmm. David R. Hawkins. But essentially, where are you at emotionally? You need to know where you're at emotionally first to determine what it is that you need. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're feeling really tender, you may just need to lay in bed. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling angry, you may need to work out. You may need to do something that gets the the physical energy out. So the first piece that I help my clients with is just awareness on what they're feeling because we don't take time to realize I'm feeling maybe shortness of breath or I'm feeling some tension in my chest. What am I feeling in my body? And then what what would I need in this moment just to help me feel a little bit better and just mm-hmm. making that 1% shift over time? I think we get so fixated on the outcome. Business owners, high achievers, or if they just have a job, they want to do a good job. They feel like they're letting somebody down. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's it's all false. It's all a set of rules that's not even real. We just subscribe to it. We're conditioned to it. You know, We're conditioned. God bless everyone's parents and everyone who is a parent who probably did the best they could, but it's the way the system is set up, the matrix or the social conditioning is that children are taught or conditioned to ignore their what it is that they're feeling and what, what, their, what their desires, their wants are and put on their shoes and go sit in a cold classroom with the fluorescent lights for eight hours. <laughs> I'm still traumatized by the lighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Of grade school. Um, so it takes a while to to bring that back. And actually, some people aren't. They, it's harder. It's harder for some people because they've had to disassociate from their bodies. Mm-hmm. And the body is and some people who are, I think, like you and me and in, in my hypnotherapy training, the emotional and physical model, the physicals are very attached to the body. But that's hard as well. 
because then we experience a lot of physical pain, a lot of physical discomfort. And then the ones who are the emotional style, um, are they don't have as much uh, connection to their ego sensations, ego meaning the body sensations. Mm -hmm. And so that has to be somehow rebuilt or, or understood a, a pathway mm -hmm. for it. Do you find that? Do you find some, or you know, do you attract different kinds of clients or do you attract ones who are like you? Sometimes we attract our, our complementary style of being as a client and then sometimes we it's the the same style you know so i attract some some that are similar to me mm -hmm. so i do attract a lot of empaths mm -hmm. who still don't have those boundaries up and so the reason they work with me is because i am I'm what's known as the red personality type which is kind of like a this is just say no, just do it. Right. So I'm, I'm very like, I'm okay with setting those boundaries, which is ironic because years ago I wasn't, but now I'm like, boundaries are the real deal. So I attract empaths who are overgiving, overgiving, overgiving. Mm -hmm. That's typically a lot of the people I work with. And then they have this tape playing in their head that what they do is never enough. Mm -hmm. So like I'm overgiving and I'm resentful, yet it still isn't enough. Yeah. And and who am I to turn that giving inward and give to myself? Because that's not okay. And that was also me. So I would say there there is definitely a synergy there between the type of people I work with in that it's okay to actually just rest. It's okay to not take a shower today. Like it is actually okay to do whatever it is that you want. And as entrepreneurs, I think we have a little bit more freedom, you know, because people who have to go to a job, they have yeah. to actually be somewhere. Yeah. Um, but also as entrepreneurs, we sometimes beat ourselves up even more because there is no structure. Mm -hmm. So then we're like, so I could just do whatever I want, but what if I just want to lay in bed today? And then we have this whole guilt trip about it. So what I find is clearly defining value, one's value system. And I teach them to create six values. And they'll change over time, but they're going to usually be, you're going to have some core values and you'll have your push values. But that's how I teach them to define success for themselves. So if they're really working on not, not overgiving, then they might put a value in there, probably not the word boundary because that might be too triggering, but something that feels a little bit soft. Like, okay, if I'm overgiving over here, then I definitely want to be giving to myself. And maybe that's their value. Mm -hmm. So I say, okay, how did you enact this value today of giving to yourself so that you're still, that's still who they are, right? They want to give. So we're not changing who they are. We're not changing their identity. We're changing the direction in which they're giving. And what I always, what they've come to realize is, and I've, I've realized this myself too, is every hour we spend on that nurturing ourselves, I believe it It gives us 10 hours that we're able to give back. Mm. It's not an equal trade. Yeah. I think we get more whenever we give more to ourselves. And the giving, it needs to be just like any other relationship. It needs to be quality. So if we took three days off and hid in, in the dark room and beat ourselves up about it the whole time, that's not going to be the quality. I, I think that's not, you know, you can't trick your own energy. You can't trick your being. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, like, if sometimes I get the words for either myself, but often for my clients, this type of client you're talking about, about pampering yourself, self-romance even, which I'm not talking about masturbating, which is fine though, if that's a part of it. <laughs> I really mean like the way if you were to be romantic with your partner, to shower them with affection and compliments and treats, what would, how could you do that with yourself? How could you have a self-date? And maybe it's, yeah, spending time with your pups like you did today. That yeah. I think, yeah, like that one hour of absolute romantic bliss with yourself, that that can't be beaten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting because I, I resonate with that and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm down with, with all the language, mm -hmm. but you, you also know, right? Each word carries a vibration mm -hmm. and it carries a connotation. So someone might be very triggered by yes, that. They totally. may feel like that's too extravagant. <laughs> and so we just have to choose the word yeah. or the, the, the next, I always say 1% shift. So mm -hmm. if that feels too much, can we do three kind. minutes of, of breath work? What right? about like kindness? Yeah. Oh, kindness just, is important. I think that yes. we, we overlook. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and it just comes down to self-acceptance too, which mm -hmm. is, let's say you set aside the time to be kind to yourself and then you end up beating yourself up. <laughs> okay. It's just, we go back to self-acceptance, right? Yeah. Like, great. We're practicing. This is something you're learning how to be kind to yourself. Like you've been whipping yourself and kind of beating yourself into submission for years. 
it's unrealistic for you to be like, oh, let me go have a bath and like put the flower petals in and let me just <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's not going to make that jump. So let's just say, okay, can you forgive yourself the next time you beat yourself up? Maybe mm. that the next step mm -hmm. and just saying, oh, I realized that I was really mean to myself right there. And then just using a pattern interrupt, like, oh, silly girl, you were just mean to yourself, like, mm -hmm. and just soften it so that you're not trying to take care of yourself. Then you're judgmental about your inability to take care of yourself. And then you're right back into that loop. <laughs> so we just want to do a pattern interrupt and mm -hmm. just kind of be like, oh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. I, I tried to take a bath today. Didn't work out. I'll try again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually an act of kindness then to accept yourself for failing, if you will. What, how do you deal? I'm sure you get clients who are at the place where they're like, uh, so you were dealing with high achievers and they're really attached to no negative self-talk is motivating. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the people who say, hey, dumb fat bitch, get up and work out and stuff. And, it's like, yes. and uh, it, how do you I mean, you have to meet them where they are. And mm -hmm. or, or or do you work with people? I mean, because we can also choose to work with people who've already overcome that and you want to start on a different step. How, what is your answer or your uh, coaching for that? Yeah, I, I would say I still work with a lot of people like that. Yeah. And and that was my story. And it, it comes, I use the example exactly like you said of fitness. You can't hate yourself into a, a fitter, healthier version of yourself. And yeah. I, that was me. I kept trying to get skinnier, get smaller because I was like, your thighs are fat, your thighs are fat. So what happened? I was 16% body fat, 120 pounds. And I was still going, your thighs are fat because that's what I conditioned. I didn't like myself. Mm -hmm. I was the skinniest, emaciated thing. But what I chose along the path, the thoughts I chose to think about myself were, were the thoughts that I ingrained in over the period. Mm -hmm. So I always say, if we're setting any goal, how do you want to feel? Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of my clients will say ease. I'm like, mm -hmm. interesting. So you want to feel ease in your business. So, but you're hustling right now and they think, well, let me hustle my way to ease. Yeah. I'm like, that's not the way it works. You have to align it with, okay, the next time I get a new client, the next time I, I celebrate a win in my business, you have to attach it to ease if that's what you want. So then go for a walk in the woods or go on a little getaway with your family so that you realize, okay, what I'm doing in my business is creating ease for me now. Yeah. Because how we're conditioned as an employee is work hard for 50 years so that you can have ease in your 70s. Like we can have yeah. it later, but I say we can have it now and we focus on how do you want to feel and then choose thoughts that help you to feel that way. And energy is literal. You can't, you know, you can't make a, a pie with, you know, with a roux, which is a, a Louisiana soup base that's salt, savory. <laughs> but, you know, you can't make something sweet by start by using all savory ingredients. That's that's how literal energy is. And it's like a destination addiction. Right. That's mm -hmm. what we're kind of conditioned to. If I hurry, 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 then eventually I will be happy. And it's always in front of you. It's, an, mm -hmm. it's a carrot that you never attain. And I think that's why we start with the goal, which is, is this even your goal mm. or is this just a goal that you've been conditioned towards? And that was my challenge. And I, I was pre-med. I thought I wanted to go to veterinary school. And then I realized like, I'm doing this because I love animals, but being a veterinarian and my experience of it was not a very loving yeah. energy. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't think I want to go $400,000 in debt to be around animals who hate me, oh. I can do something different. And so I, but I was lost. I mean, I was lost for years because I had defined, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And I had defined it on getting higher education, picking the hardest major. So we have to start with like, let's deconstruct all of your goals and even decide, is this your mother's goal? Is this your peer group's goal? Did Were you just in the community of lawyers? So you thought you should be a lawyer? Like, do you really just want to be play the tambourine? Like let's let's just allow you to to play with whatever you can play with and start there. It doesn't mean you have to have your job as a tambourine man, but allowing yourself to admit that that's what you want and that you maybe have been going in the opposite direction of what you wanted for 30, 40, 50 years, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You're not starting over. It's just a a realignment with who you really are and I believe we're always discovering who we are. How do you help someone 
make that shift. You know, like you said, you some people are listening and they're they're driving to their job right now that they couldn't take the day off, even though their body really asked them to. And I've been there. You know, I mean, I had plenty of. I mean, it's only been uh, three years that I, I've been total or two, two and a half that I've been totally an entrepreneur, one hundred percent. Even though I had entrepreneur like jobs, it still worked for somebody else. So I understand. We, I think you and I both. We're not like ignorant to what that feels like. So how do you help someone right now? And maybe they don't, I can't afford Cami. You know what I mean? Like how do, how do we start to make those shifts? Or what did, what have you done to start to make those shifts? Just imagining that there's a different way. Yeah. I think some of us are so beaten down that we don't see any possibility at all. So they're living in this, like, this is just what I have to do. This is nine to five. This is the grind. When you start to open up the possibility, like, that's when spirit can move and start to put these synchronicities in place. We're like, oh my gosh, now you're available and open for something else. So you have to be willing to put yourself out there kind of vulnerably. You don't need to say it to anybody except yourself of like, I don't want to do this that I know. And what do I want? And maybe you don't know because that stops a lot of people too. They're like, well, what, what do I want? Well, you know, you don't want this. So let's just move in the direction of what you want more of. Maybe I want more freedom. Maybe I would like to have a home office. Maybe I would like to not wake up at 6 a.m. Okay, cool. So let's just start with those specifics and move in the direction of that. And I feel like each job, this has been my experience, each job was a bridge to the next thing and the next thing. And, the, and it's like I was I was like playing Marco Polo. Like I was like getting warmer, like hot and cold game. I was, I was like getting closer and closer to it. And now that I have this experience of being an entrepreneur, I realize, of course, spirit has aligned everything so that I had all these skills to be a successful entrepreneur. Mm. Had I tried it yeah. 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had all the skills. I wouldn't have spoken on a microphone. I wouldn't have been giving trainings. I wouldn't have managed and hosted leadership trainings within. So it's just everything is aligning you to what you want, but you have to take some type of action towards it. And first is just being open to something different instead of surrendering to your circumstance. I love that you mentioned that because I think sometimes if someone is in the place of of choosing something new, they think that it is starting over. But in fact, spirit was sort of tricking you into it the whole time. And you're going to hack all of those skills. Nothing is lost. Nothing. I'm hacking all of those jobs since I started working when I was 13 years old. (laughs) I'm finding use for all of those things I did. I mean, some things were, yeah, I didn't need to do, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Well, and, and, and for me as a, as a coach, I, I, I had to work jobs I hated in order to coach people to work jobs that they hate. Yeah. Because, (laughs) because it's really easy for me to sit over here and light and love and and go on a walk in the woods and be like, oh, namaste. (laughs) But I I, I can remember what it was like when I did not want to open my eyes in the morning and Mm -hmm. I would cry on the way to work. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how can we just make a shift? And for me, I had to go through those experiences so that I could gain confidence in myself that I have the power within me to focus on whatever I want to focus on, to create my own reality. And the universe gave me so many opportunities with so many triggering situations that I was finally able to pass the test on my third job that I got fired from. <laughs> and, and, and so, I, you know, again, universe is going to keep giving it to you till you get the lesson. So it's kind of like, let's get the lesson as quickly as possible so we can get through it. Mm-hmm. And also I was just coming up with this this morning too, is that wherever you are, it is, there is something in it for you and yes. it's hard to see it when you're in it, but you'll realize, oh my goodness, I was at rock bottom and now I can look back and appreciate like everything I have now. And sometimes with, when we don't have that, we don't have that perspective to realize how far we've come or what we've created in the now moment. Even just being able to realize that wherever you are, there's something in it for you is an act, is a self-love act. It's an ex- self-acceptance at least, right? You're, you're able to get on your own team again. And instead of feeling the resistance, which I remember one of my, one of the jobs, one of the, the when I made a big leap from, it wasn't to this yet, but from an old career to a much more improved career. I remember the last like three months working there going, I don't want to be here and that's okay. I want to move on and that's okay. Like I had to be okay with not being okay. 
But boom, two months later, things shifted and I got a job opportunity that was more money than I ever imagined that I would make and much more aligned than I had had ever imagined it could be. Of course, eventually, I actually got fired from that job eventually, eight years later. But (laughs) yeah, Yeah. well, I got, they eliminated my position. So (laughs) that was a manifestation too. But yes, it is. And you know what? We're never all, we're never there. Or we're always there. You know what I mean? Well, I'm glad you're saying that you don't need to love it. Like I think Mm -hmm. what people are hearing is like, you need to come to a point where you love your boss and then you'll manifest a new job. No, like you can, the desire is created from the contrast, but you, when we're looking at the vibrational scale of emotions, if you are in unworthiness, then you won't be able to manifest. So we at least, I don't even, even if you're in pride, like for me, I was in pride a lot of the times in my jobs. And because I was like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm so good at working. And that's a lot of times why I got fired because I was kind of <laughs> cocky. But that was a level up from where I was, which was like that insecurity, right? So yeah. where you are, I believe is is moving up that scale of emotions. And if you're not familiar with it, just Google it. But these are the, the transformational emotions at the 200 hertz level, which are willingness, acceptance, courage, and neutrality. So I use those anytime I'm in a situation or a circumstance I'm not loving. I'm just going, how can I start to think some thoughts that's going to get me closer to courage? Or can I just be courageous to feel all that I'm feeling right now and allow it to be okay? Like crying because I don't want to be at this job. Even that can shift you to just into that desire of something more and into maybe expanding your consciousness to something you, you never even thought to ask for. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's, uh, I think maybe, yeah, with my example, I think I was just willing to be okay with the fact that I didn't want to be there. I, I had told myself, it's like when you're a senior in high school and you've got two, three months left and you, you know, and you, you feel the senioritis. And so I was just like, okay, I'm in a, tra- a transition is going to come at some point. But I'm here right now. And you know what I did, actually? I focused on being nice to people. Yes. And that helped me so much. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to be here and be nice. And it also didn't matter if they weren't nice back. I was just going to be nice mm-hmm. right over and over. And that was a, that was soothing for my energy and my poor little nervous system, too, for not wanting to be there. Yes. Yeah. I and you weren't in judgment. Right. That's well, beautiful. I mean, I was, but I was in less judgment. <laughs> I yeah. was okay. Yeah. If anything, I was okay with being in judgment. You know what I mean? I wasn't yes. judging myself. Oh, it's yeah. yeah you weren't judging crazy. yourself for judging. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I could be nice, then I, maybe I had a little bit of relief from being judgmental. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yes. I really want to hear that story of how you, when did you start? You, you said you want to share a story about this podcast yes, or something. Yes, I do. So, so I wanted to just share the, the story about me becoming the spiritual intuitive life coach and working with you and Chris Lynn Compton for a year now. Mm-hmm. It, it was actually October where I signed up for the channeling intensive. And just to give you a little history, I had been coming out of like the spiritual Christian closet for, for like two years. And I was like, getting into all of these things. And I had been meditating for quite some time. And I got an insight timer. I listened to David Gandelman is huge on there and yes, he's funny. Right. I highly yeah. recommend. Mm-hmm. So then I, I heard you being interviewed on his podcast. So then I found your podcast and I listened to it sporadically, but there was one night, it was like a cold October Eve. And I was about to do the dishes, which I do not love. <laughs> and I was asking like, like, what, what can I do to make this less horrible to do these dishes. And spirit was like, charmed life podcast. It like, like dropped into my ear and I was like, okay. And it was funny because I hadn't listened in a while. Right. So I was like, that's kind of random, but okay. So I listened. And at this time I was still like the music you were using. I was like, I don't know, this is a little bit like, woo. like it was, I was still easing into all of the channeling and all the woo. I wasn't fully on the other side yet. Right. But you were channeling, I think, our, one of the angels. Okay. And essentially, you did your channeling. And then you said, by the way, we have the, we have the channeling intensive coming up. And it was like the next week. Oh. And then in my head, I was like, okay, well, if it's less than 555, I'll do it. And I went and I like clicked. And it was on sale for 333 or something. And I was like, okay, fine. And I just like clicked the link. And so- The reason I share this with people is because, again, being a spiritual entrepreneur, 
that is how things work. And that is how your clients come to you. And it is just trust and faith and belief. And so I always use that not only to encourage you or anybody else listening, but also to encourage myself of like, what you're doing is working. Like spirit Mm -hmm. is always connecting. And like those little synchronicities are going to drop and connect the correct people for you. And then on the flip side, I had the choice to not listen to any of those nudges. I had the choice to say no at any time, but I just kept going, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Okay, okay, okay. And I didn't even know I was a channel until I went into the channeling intensive and I was like, oh, this is very interesting. And then all of a sudden I'm now like channeling ETs and I'm like, oh, you know, like what, what is this? (laughs) So it was transformative. It's been a year and I feel like I'm completely opened up more than I ever would have been had not working with you all. So I also want to give a little plug that if y'all are listening, you need to get on these intensives like <laughs> right now. Just pick Thank one and you. get started. <laughs> well, we have welcome. the intuitive intensive. We're gonna that is is we're gonna have registration open. I think it'll be in might be in December. Usually it's in December is when the that's the next one. And it'll be in late January or February is when it will actually take place. But I love that. And but I want to say that that's so beautiful. Thank you. And what a blessing. And and what's interesting is that it wasn't actually algorithm, even though you're you're connecting with us on podcasts and platforms and stuff. It came through it came through spirit. It came right into your to your head ball or into your heart ball. Um, you know, David is. Yeah, he has a big uh, relationship with Insight Timer. So sure, he's easy to find if you're going to go to Insight Timer. But all of the other things were were you working with spirit and not like Instagram giving you an ad. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm not that's, saying that's totally not. It just that it, it came through you came to you pretty cleanly, I think. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. and I, I I had been meditating long enough to notice all of those other thoughts, right? Yes. Of like, should I do this? Why? Like, and I I was just like but they just passed through. It was just mm-hmm. like, what is this? I don't know. Like all of those questions, channeling, oh my goodness, right? Like, but it, they they were able to pass through. So I think that's where the the cleanness came. And yeah, I've been practicing this, practicing this over time in terms of that's how I got to Bali. I set the intention out to the universe. Then all of a sudden there I was there. So I keep following and trusting that even when it's scary, even when it's weird, even when it's like, you know, in your, and I'm a, I'm a sacral authority manifesting generator. So I also have that gut sacral is like, it's a yes, it's a yes, just do it. Yeah. And the quicker I can do it, the better, because if I wait, that's when my conscious mind gets in, like what if, and all these things and where's the money and all like, so I say, if you feel like it's aligned, take action and do it. And spirit will help you figure it out later. Do you have an open route? Center? I don't know. I haven't looked at my open centers in a while. And the only reason I ask is because of the, some of the stuff we were talking about, especially with like the clients that you work with, the kind of wanting to accumulate a lot of work so that you can be mm-hmm. free of the pressure of needing to work. That's a that's a common open route thing. And so interesting. I'm gonna have to go back and look at my chart because yeah. I don't remember. I can feel I can feel that I, that conversation because I I don't know if a lot of people have an open route, but it it does seem to be a common you know, it kind of pressure that people feel mm-hmm. in the in the workforce I would say yeah mm-hmm. wow this has been so fun Cami so uh, tell us again about the two coaching the one-on-ones and the group coaching tell us about that again because I want to make sure we get that in the link tell us can people access it like what how can they catch up with how can they work with you the best thing to do would be to book a consult I'm at this time still offering free consults so mm-hmm. they're an hour-long consult we can look at their problem. We can come up with a solution. And then I can suggest a way to best work with me, whether that's one-on-one or the group program. So they can go to my website, camikennedy.com forward slash call, and they can book a call with me there or mm-hmm. send me a message on Instagram at camikennedy. Oh, that's great. What's the name of the group coaching again? Alcademy? Like alchemy? It is called Sovereign Success Alcademy. Yes. And that was channeled. And I'm like, I'm just going to trust that 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 word is going to work in the world because (laughs) spirit gave it to me. Makes sense to me. I like it. Yeah. I could feel that. I could feel that was something that was divined for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, this has been really awesome. And you're again, you're just such a you're such a bright light. You're you're uh, you have so much integrity. You have you know I love your vulnerability, and you are a very talented intuitive and channel because I witnessed it myself. So thank you so thank much for being so on much. today. I really really appreciate you. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for having me. This was awesome. And as always, all of Cammie's links are in the description. And do follow her on Instagram too because she's got some great content there. Again, very inspiring. Lots of wisdom with with Cammie, right? And uh, I just enjoy hanging out with her. She is a really beautiful channel. I got to see her blossom in her channeling energy as she shared in the this conversation here. It was a year ago. So everyone, I hope you will check her out and also check out all in the description because we have all kinds of other links. We have the upcoming programs in the Light Shine Academy. We also have the Mystic Arts Academy. Um, we, I'm doing some really fun things in Mystic Arts, channeling some archangels and, you know, working with crystalline elements and holy flames and, uh, you know, get, offering insight and intuitive readings. And it's we have the best fun there. And of course, doing the meditations. Oh, yeah. Also, just want to make sure that you heard about David Gandelman. So David Gandelman is my my friend, my one of my best friends. And David, it does have a big profile on Insight Timer. I highly recommend Insight Timer if you haven't been there yet, if you haven't used it. Um, David has a a podcast called Grounded Sleep, where he has sleep meditations. And he also has Meditation School. And David has a new app out. So it's a place where you can kind of source all things David Gandelman. I'm going to make sure he listens to this episode so he can hear how much I plugged him. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I appreciate you. I invite you to also please leave a review on the podcast. It helps me to keep this podcast going, helps us to connect on a deeper level. And thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. Thank you.